Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and uh, we're going to shift our attention just a little bit uh, to a letter that was sent from the Utah delegation. As I said before the break, this was not a love letter uh, of any way, shape, or form uh, sent to the Interior Secretary, Deb Helen. And uh, really pleased to be joined now uh, by our good friend and colleague from the Deseret News, Amy Joy O'Donohue. And uh, Amy, thanks for uh, chiming in on a Friday for us. Oh, thanks for having me. You have covered uh, public lands and lands issues in the state of Utah uh, for a while. You understand the ins and outs of federal responsibility, state issues, local uh, people that are actually impacted by all of the tug and pull of the politics of it all. Uh, so this particular letter that was uh, sent to the Interior Secretary from the Utah delegation, what was the, the real gesture, the real focus of this letter? Well, the delegation is obviously upset with the Interior Department because of the amount of money that was not awarded to the state of Utah. Utah received just $7.3 million, and none of that went to our national parks or monuments. Uh, it was mostly directed on BLM land for projects that they have. Yeah, and uh, so that was an interesting thing you uh, you noted in your uh, reporting, and you can read uh, Amy Joy's piece on Deseret.com, uh, that uh, the state of Virginia uh, received $250 million, uh, even though less than 10% of that state is federal land, where Utah, as you mentioned, uh, Amy Joy, that oh, only received $7.3 million, even though 67% of the state is public land. What's, what's going on with these calculations, and uh, what's really uh, at play here? Well, that's a mystery, and I think that's the question that the de- delegation has in this regard. And it's interesting to note that you know Utah is like fifth in oil production nationwide mm. and fourth in natural gas production. And if you do a quick search, I mean, Virginia doesn't even rank in the top ten for oil production. So that's a concern of the delegation. I mean, this money comes from oil and gas revenue, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be used for deferred maintenance projects at national parks and monuments. And we've got a lot of needs out there. I mean, we have more than $225 million in unmet needs in our parks. Wow. And and that's uh, you know, that's that's the one thing that I think uh, everybody can agree on. We were talking about this on Earth Day yesterday, uh, that everybody can agree that, hey, we, we do need to make sure we're maintaining uh, our parks and making sure we're being wise stewards of the land. Uh, tell us a little more about that uh, backlog, 225 million in backlog uh, maintenance, things that need to be done in our parks? 
Yeah, in Utah parks and national monuments. And so this includes, you know, maintenance of trails, uh, improving trails, uh, bathroom facilities, visitor centers, building bridges, you know, just anything that can, can be done to improve the visitor experience at these parks. And, you know, our parks are loved to death. Right. And Zion National Park. Yeah, Zion National Park received 4.5 million visitors in 2019 alone. Wow. Wow. Uh, and I was one of those just uh, two weekends ago, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed all of that. And it's one of those things that we often don't really think through all the ramifications of, of keeping the, the trails and making sure the, the uh, outhouses, the facilities are there and so on. Uh, and it's also interesting to me too that uh, we have people not just Utahns using these national parks uh, we got people from all around the world coming to enjoy these well I mean what can what more can you say about Zion it's just absolutely stunning there so it, it, it attracts I mean even during covid it, it brought in 3.5 million visitors and so it it behooves the Department of Interior and others to pay attention to these parks and make these improvements so they so these visitors can really enjoy themselves. Yeah. So as you look forward, and again, I, you have uh, you have been chronicling the rough and tumble of of the the politics of of all of this, uh, which sadly prevents us from really doing the best thing to be the best stewards of the land, or to to protect it, or to create the right kind of balance and stewardship for uh, for our counties and and rural communities as well in terms of their lives and livelihoods. What uh, what's on the horizon uh, in this space? What do you see coming here? What are you watching for uh, coming down the pike? Well, obviously, we're we're waiting for the Biden administration to make a decision regarding the boundaries at Bears Ears and Grand Staircase. Uh, you know, there's a push to restore those boundaries to their original size, and uh, after the Trump administration acted to reduce them, uh, but I think it was Senator Lee who said, said recently. Uh, despite how beautiful these lands are, making them a monument doesn't make them prettier. Mm. You know, so if you're going to make them a monument or, or you know, increase their size, make sure that there's a, you know, just allocation of resources for that. Yeah. Uh, And I know on some of these lands as well, this also gets into uh, something we're already worried about this year. And that is, uh, that is the wildfires. Right. And so if you can have better on the ground management, of course, that will reduce the risk of wildfires. And again, it goes back to making sure that these great lands of ours are protected adequately. Yeah, absolutely. With resources on the ground. Yeah, the, the resources. And that's uh, dollars and cents and, and bodies to, to do the work. And I know many of these uh, lands and these parks uh, have had have been backlogged for some of them for years now in terms of some of that maintenance work. That's going on. Do you see any cracks or any uh, possibilities for improvements there? Well, I think that was the hope with the passage of this law that would direct revenue to meet these needs. But again, somehow Utah was shortchanged in this regard, and the delegation is asking why. And there wasn't really any explanation when they made the announcement of the $1.6 billion in funding mm-hmm. about how what decisions were being made to allocate what to who. Yeah. I mean, there was like no, no justification, no explanation as to the methodology. And so I think they rightfully want some answers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will continue to watch that. And uh, again, it's always one of those things that uh, sends a shiver up my spine is the behind closed doors. And then just an announcement of this is what we're doing. 
uh, without uh, that transparency or that ability to have any accountability. Uh, Amy Joy O'Donoghue, we always appreciate your reporting, especially when it comes to uh, our lands and some of those critical issues here to the state of Utah. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. Well, thank you very much, Boyd. All right. Again, that's Amy Joy O'Donoghue. She's a great writer for the Deseret News. You can read her article at Deseret.com. And again, the Utah congressional delegation uh, clearly frustrated uh, with uh, this just inexplicable (laughs) allocation of funds. Uh, I just want to go back and and repeat, uh, again, this is part of Amy's reporting uh, and a part of the letter from the delegation to the Interior Secretary uh, that Virginia, Virginia is getting nearly $250 million dollars uh, of this money that is for uh, public lands. And uh, public lands in Virginia make up less than 10% of the state. Less than 10% of the state is federal land. Utah, on the other hand, uh, is only getting $7.3 million, And 67% of the state of Utah is public lands. And so the, the delegation is rightly asking the question, what's the calculation uh, also, as Amy Joy uh, reported and shared with us on air here, uh, that a lot of this is is oil and and gas, the revenue uh, that this is taken from, and you know Utah's in the the top five producers uh, of those. Uh, Virginia's not even in the top ten in terms of producing, and yet they're getting such an incredible amount of money. It it really begs the question of how does how did this happen? How are these decisions made? And more importantly, how does it get corrected? Uh, because, again, the the uh, wonderful parks, the national parks of the state of Utah are enjoyed not just by Utahns, but people from around the country and across the planet uh, come here for those. And all of that maintenance is so vitally important. Appreciate Amy Joy O'Donohue joining us uh, to break that down for us today. All right, we're going to step aside for top of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit of immigration. Vice President Harris goes to the Northern Triangle of South America, looking for answers. We'll see what she came up with coming up next. Stay with us. Hour number two coming up on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.